Hello and welcome to Connected, episode 418. It's made possible this week by our sponsors, Squarespace, Capital One, and Sofa. My name is Stephen Hackett. I'm joined by uh, Relay FM co-founder and one-time indie blogger, Mike Hurley. I was never an indie blogger. I may have had aspirations. That was aspirations. I never actually like tried to make a career. Thank you, one-time indie blogger Stephen Hackett. I'm still an indie blogger. <laughs> I, I never stopped. <laughs> I'm, and we're both joined by one-time indie blogger Federico Vadigi. <laughs> Ah, hello. It's so good to to join the two co-founders of the Relay FM podcast network. Yes, um, <laughs> it's such a such a such an honor, really. Um, We're happy to honor you with our presence. Yes, I feel <laughs> I feel honored by you and <laughs> and Michael. Thank you for honoring me. <laughs> we got a big show today. Uh, we're going to be joined a little bit later on by everyone's favorite Apple vlogger, underscore David Smith, talk about the Apple Watch Ultra. But first, we have some follow-up. I'm going to do a follow-up slash follow-out. On Upgrade this week, Mike, you and Jason spoke about Tim Cook's world tour. Mm-hmm. That was an incredible segment, Thank you. I should yes. say. That was a lot so of fun. good. That was one of those. You guys will know this. It was just one of those things. We put it in a document. I thought it would take five minutes, and I think we were doing it like twenty-five minutes. Right? You know that yeah. kind of thing where you're <laughs> like, great. "This might be a fun aside," but then you get really carried away, and uh, mm-hmm. we kind of went all CSI on it. It was good. We've never gone, uh, you know, off the rails Long. on this show. I don't know what you mean. Yeah, never, never, ever, ever, never. But one of those stops grabbed my attention for a couple of reasons. One. Uh, Mike, you and I have been talking about uh, honorary degrees. We were joking that, like, if you uh, if you got an honorary degree from like the University of Memphis, but I didn't, that I'd you know be mad. Mm-hmm. But Tim Cook uh, got a honorary degree, a very large honorary degree, by a man in a cape, Italy. So, Federico, what is what is happening here? I think what's happening, like, this is not unusual. Like, I think this whole setup, especially with the with the uh, the clothing of the dean of the university, I think it may look unusual, maybe outside of Italy or Europe. I think it looks funny to an American audience. This is all very normal to me, like for an official um, celebration for what is called uh, an honoris causa. It's Latin for basically like uh, honorary degree. Um, but but this whole setup with the with the dean being all dressed up with the mantle and the fur and the little hat, uh, this is all pretty regular to me. And the honorary degree, I mean, it's given to public figures uh, very often by different universities in Italy, at least. Uh, like you you often see politicians or celebrities who have done uh, something particularly good for society at large mm-hmm. like they open like they were philanthropists or whatever like that often happens they, they give you a honorary degree also usually it's related to uh the recipient of the degree being a benefactor of some kind to the university, right? Like maybe this person opened a whole new wing for the university or something, and it just so happens that a couple of years later, you get a honorary degree. Like it's um, well, in this exactly case, what happened here? Right? This is a, in a way, <laughs> this is what happened here because the Federico Second, the Federico the Second, it's called Federico Secondo in Italian. Um, but this university is the one that participated 
participates, I believe, with Apple on the Developer Academy, which is in Naples, Italy. It was uh, the Developer Academy in Naples, I believe, was the first one that Apple opened, uh, oh gosh, what was it, five, six years ago, maybe? Probably, um, yeah. And there is a related course, I want to say, mm. at the Federico Secondo University for being a mobile developer. Um, so yeah, a um, few, few years pass. Tim Cook just so happens to get a honorary degree. And of course, it's a big celebration. It was live streamed on the university's YouTube channel. Amazing. Um, and there's the whole big fancy clothing and the huge diploma. I mean, this is all... But I, I just want to say this is all pretty standard for a public figure. Yeah. I don't know if I shared this with you, Federico. I don't know if I've said this publicly, but Stephen knows that it is a life goal of mine, like a dream, to get an honorary degree oh, because yeah. I don't have Big a time. degree. Yeah, me neither. Like right. I, I, al- I always say this to my friends, and it makes for a good icebreaker. You know, when I'm, when I'm like, uh, let's say that that uh, you know, I'm just uh, talking about myself, and people get curious about me. Like, hey, are you like someone who doesn't know me? Like, where did you study? And I'm like, yeah, actually, I. I don't have a degree. I started working when I was 19. And I always crack the joke of like, but my goal is to get an honorary degree at some point in my life. And it's one of the things that I want to, like, I want to be recognized. All the glory, none of the work, right? Yeah, without none of the work. None of it. I just just want a guy or a lady. I don't know how this works. um, But I just want a person with a whole big fancy clothing going on and the hat and the fur and the big mantle. And I want to be given that. But like, I have now decided that my secondary life goal is to get one of these from the University of Memphis. Okay. Very specific, but I get it. I think that would be very funny if I got an honorary degree from Stevens University. Mm. But I will take one from any university. Just putting mm. this out there. If any university wants to give me and Federico honorary yes. degrees, we will accept them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we don't, uh, you know, we d- we're not selective here. Like anything mm-hmm. works, mm-hmm. you know. Even the, you know, to 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 have a reference, even the University of American Samoa would be okay. Like oh, what a, oh, whatever. Oh, reference acknowledged, sir. Yeah, yeah. I mean, anything works. So just give it to us, and uh, and we'll be happy. I do want a presentation though. Like I don't just want it to be mailed to me. Oh no, mm. it's gotta be a whole event, and there's yeah. gotta be there's gotta be. Um, a buffet, I think, afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like, there's got to be food and drinks. Uh, and at least two members of the press. Because if there's only one member of the press, it could be kind of awkward. Like, what, is this like an exclusive report? No, there's got to be at least mm. two of them. So at least mm. two press people have an I mean, it would be reports. pretty cool, though, if it was an exclusive article, though, right? Uh, that w- sounds Well, we fun. can have the exclusive interview. Yeah. But the oh, news okay. event... The pictures it needs can to be, be free. Yeah, but the news event needs to be covered on multiple places. And I will do a commencement address if you need me to. <laughs> right. I will do right. one. You know. Right. <laughs> Which you could have DALI or something or GPT-3 um, right for me. generate for you. Yeah. Because I probably wouldn't be the best commencement speaker because right. I didn't go to university. So... You know, if I start off with like congratulations today, in my opinion, potentially what you've done here is pointless. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's really going to set the stage uh, in the right way. 
<laughs> Congratulations, you've wasted four years of your life. And a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Good luck getting a job. Bye. And then I leave and take my degree. It's like, but I don't care. I got my degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I, I, um, I don't know if y'all know this, but I have a degree. Oh, really? In, uh, in journalism. Do you know? I had this. I had a. I, I thought I had a fake memory, Federico. That was confirmed to me when I was in Memphis. Right now, as we all know, Stephen is much older than us. Right, much, right. much hey, older. Much, than us. much, much older. Yes. But I had a memory of him graduating from college and that didn't match up right like if you think about we've known each other for 10 years steven is 38 36 36 steven is 36 Six? Nah. Uh, apparently he's somewhere between 36 and 40 right so I like if i've I known him flipped, it's 39 63 yeah. and, and if i've known nice. him for 10 years how could i have remembered him graduating from university but Mm-hmm. It's true that he did graduate from university within the last 10 years. Yeah, I took a long time to finish. You've seen the actual proof of him graduating? Like you've seen the a document? That I don't remember. I haven't seen the gown or anything. Mm, I didn't go to my graduation. Okay. Does that mean? But I did graduate. Did Wait. If you Wait, don't. Does that go, mean you never graduated? It's like you never. Are you sure you graduated? Yeah. I just went and so, okay, so here's the thing. I started college in 2004, <laughs> so I should have finished 2008, but I took until 2011 to finish. Mm-hmm. And so I just went and picked up my diploma one day, and it was the most underwhelming ending to a college career anyone can have, because right. I went to an office, and they said, wait oh here God, a minute. I remember you telling me this at the time. Then they handed me a tube with my diploma, <laughs> and, and they said, congratulations. And I said, thanks, and then I left. I'm having so many major flashbacks right now. This is, mm-hmm. I'm having some sense memories. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Congratulations on your graduation. What I want is my, my old school, uh, they do like a distinguished journalism alumni every year. Mm-hmm. And I'm the only person that I went to school with working in anything close to journalism, right? And definitely with the biggest audience. So I was like, hey, I already have the degree. I just want the honor part now, but I haven't gotten it. I now we were talking about this again when we were together. Federico, I think you'll agree with me. Stephen should one hundred percent be given this honor, right? That like mm-hmm. yes. he is a successful journalist. Mm-hmm. I am assuming probably one of the, the the most successful from that graduating year or more, right? Yeah, I think he should be given this. I think the University of Memphis should should honor Stephen as a distinguished graduate. I think someone should should write an email to the University of of Memphis this and explain who Stephen is, what he does, what he's accomplished for for you know this this online community and the city of Memphis, and he should get that recognition he deserves. Mm. I think the University of Memphis should should be informed of about Stephen Hackett. <laughs> I think we're starting a letter writing campaign. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Sarva in the Discord says there's a high score table somewhere with Stephen's name at the top. <laughs> so I don't know. Oh, how that's fantastic. You, how would you feel about getting that that honor in 2023, Stephen? I'd love it. Okay. I would invite both of y'all. Would you like it if you get it because the universe is under duress to give it to you? No, it doesn't matter to me. 
Oh, okay. Look, when you it's don't hang- care. I, I mean, cool. I agree. When it's with hanging this. on my wall exactly. in the background of Zoom calls, yep. no yep. one else knows that they were. And also, really, if the reason they give it to you is because of passionate uh, uh, pressure, that only proves the point, doesn't it? Passionate pressure, right? That you're that yeah. you're that you have such an adoring fan base. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. now, if you don't get it, what does that say? Now we put it out there into the world. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Let's talk about the boxes that the Apple Watch Ultra come in. Uh, last year, I last year, last week, one week ago, <laughs> yeah, one week ago on the show, I talked about the box for my Apple Watch Ultra and how it had mountains on the inside with the Alpine band. I said I believe the different versions come with different uh, inlays. Uh, that's true. There's a post over on R slash Apple Watch that has the ocean band and it has waves and stuff uh, on the print, printing on the inside of the box. You can see that. What is interesting is that if you just buy one of the bands, the boxes aren't as fancy. So I bought an ocean band since the last time we spoke. They had the white one in stock at my local Apple store. And it came in a nice box, but not like this unboxing experience you get if it's paired with the watch from the beginning. Um, and I really like the Ocean Band. I, I got it in white. I find it to be very comfortable. Mm. It's really interesting uh, because it's one size fits all, and then you can get like a, a for an extra amount of money, you get a really long strap to like put around a wetsuit if you're diving with it. And look, the most wet this watch is ever going to get is maybe in the bathtub. You know, I'm not going real far underwater with this thing, so I just got the regular one. Do you wear your watch in the bath? I mean, depends. Sometimes, you know, got to be. If I slip, you know, I got to hit the siren and get married to come get me out. <laughs> but what's interesting Whoa. with the Ocean Band is the um, the retaining clip for like the tail of the band. There are real names for all these things. I apologize if you're a watch person. But they're titanium, so they match the watch. But the, you place one wherever you need it, and it's like spring-loaded. So you in the box, it's like a separate little oval loop, and then you open it up and put it where you want it. Um, and I find it to be really comfortable. I love the way the white looks with the titanium for years. I wore a stainless steel Apple watch with a white band. And this feels like going back to my, my roots with that. So, uh, I really like the ocean band. It's, it's kind of weird looking, but in white, I think it works in yellow. It looks like noodles. So the yellow one's not for me, but I like the white. Are we done about these Apple watch? This episode of Connected is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your online business. You can start with a beautiful website, you can engage with your audience, and you can sell anything. Squarespace has you covered for all of that. Squarespace has powerful blogging tools to share stories, photos, videos, and updates. You can categorize, share, and schedule your posts to make your content work for you. You can also sell products in their online store. Physical or digital, Squarespace has all the tools you need to start selling online. And if you want to send out emails to site visitors and get them on the journey to becoming loyal customers, you can use Squarespace email campaigns. You start with an email template and customize it by applying your brand and site colors. And you can use Squarespace's built-in analytics to measure the impact of every send. One of my favorite things about Squarespace is that you could build a site that grows with you over time. So maybe you don't need a store on day one. Uh, You can just add it. You can add it to your navigation. You can turn it on really easily. You're not rebuilding or re-architecting your site because 
you didn't need a feature on day one that you need today. It can grow with you as your needs change over time. And that is that flexibility truly is one of my favorite things about building on Squarespace. If you're looking to build a website, go to squarespace.com connected. There you can get a free trial with no credit card required. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code connected to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain name. That's squarespace.com connected. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code connected. You'll get 10% off your first purchase and you can show your support for the show. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of Connected and Relay FM. So Federico, last week we had one of the most epic episodes of Connected ever. Uh, where s- sadly, mm-hmm. your uh, your family's beach house, the, the yard was broken into. They stole your axe and some grilling utensils. Any updates there? We've gotten tweets and emails from people all week wondering, you know, what's been going on. So can you give us an update or is it all like secret with the FBI or something? No, I can. Uh, not the FBI, the Carabinieri, as Mike said last week, I can confirm. The grilling utensils, or as I described them, the barbecue stuff, has indeed been stolen. Uh, along with <laughs> a... you need to clarify that? <laughs> well, just, you know, to make sure the people had the right context. Right. has been stolen <laughs> along with a... Uh, we had this, um, like this little case with um, a bunch of tools... Uh, like an electric uh, screwdriver and Mm. I believe there was a hammer inside, like just basic tools for fixing stuff that was also stolen. Um, But I do have an update in that the axe is back. So you can can clearly tell (laughs) from the video that the guy grabs the little axe that we keep for cutting pieces of wood you can see that it grabs it and it passes it to the other guy standing outside the gate. However, the mm. following morning, my mom uh, went to the house. Uh, went to the house. She she checked that they did not break into the apartment itself. Thankfully, mm-hmm. they did not. So it was all outside. She checked and then she went to the police station to file an official report and attach right. the videos that we collect that we got from our security camera. Attach them like as an official as official evidence uh, for the report. And uh, but when she went there, she sends me these photos. Like the axe is here. So they put that one thing back. And I'm very happy about that because I was very, uh, I really like that instrument, you know. It's, it's very nicely done. It makes sense why they would put the axe back. Really? Does it make sense? I think so. Like, these guys, they didn't seem like they were very good criminals. No. Maybe that they have fear that they might get caught. It is a, it's not good to be caught having stolen like a weapon mm. essentially mm. oh yeah i didn't think about that Th- that is a because this was the thing that worried me at the time that i didn't really want to mention but now i will mention like i was worried that some kind of crime would be committed with the axe but mm. it seems like no is the answer to that so i'm pleased that the axe is back and also yeah. that just sounds like an incredible name for an album yeah i know like a uh, metal album <laughs> yeah you can you can you can visualize the cover yeah. even. It's so good. I also want to confirm that I've watched 
the videos over and over. I've sent the videos to my mom, to the police, of course, as well as to my friends who spent multiple weeks with me in the in this house over multiple summers through the years, and they know the they know the neighbors, they know mm. the people who live on that street. It's a very small local street. Um, it's the, the guy outside the gate is one hundred percent the guy we think. I th- I originally thought it was, and everybody's like, "Yep, that's his voice." Um, and and my mom told the police about this, and of course, the police told told her, "Look, we cannot include this part in the report because then you gotta lawyer up and prove what you're saying." Essentially, um, so as a, basically, the story is, I know who did it, and there's nothing I can do about it. E- effectively, hmm. you know. Except being extremely mindful of my surroundings at this point, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's one of those uh, situations where, like, what are you going to do, right? The police say say they're going to investigate this, but honestly, are they really going through the effort of finding two guys who stole, like, a bunch of tools and, and barbecue stuff? No, they're not. They got much bigger problems to deal with. Um and as soon as I realized what they actually took, it's more about the feeling of being violated in a way and seeing yeah. a guy through a security camera go through your stuff. They took essentially nothing, right? But it's more about the fact of seeing a rando just jump over the gate and go through your stuff and open your things and touch your things and take some of them. It, it, it's really just gross, you know? And uh, now that the, the, the camera is it's always on, of course, we're keeping, uh, we're keeping it there with the Apple TV serving as the HomeKit hub. And I, I kind of had this thought of like, you know, going there and, and pretending to be um, blissfully ignorant about all this and go to this person and be like, oh my God, can you believe it that someone broke into my house? Uh, and pretending that they know nothing about the fact that I know, but I'm, I don't think I'm going to do that. Little do they know that those tools are actually covered in radioactive waste. I mean, like... <laughs> I kind of thought about doing that <laughs> and be like, P- please let me know if you see anything suspicious around here. Would you please? Would you be? Would you be so kind to let me know? But I'm not gonna do that because, like, yeah, you know, these people are gonna. You They're know. clearly in a different situation to you, right? Like, in that they would do this. So it's kind of like I'm with, uh, just like I would forget. I don't want to be in the situation where you do this, you confront a guy doing this, and they do the thing that they do in the movies where they raise their shirt just a little and they show you a gun, you know? Okay. Just a gun. <laughs> or an axe <laughs> or like a power tool of some kind. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't want to be in that situation. So I'm not essentially I'm not going to do anything. But that was Good. a pretty big scare, and I continue to believe that it's just gross to see someone else go through your stuff. I know what can make you feel better. Mm. USB branding. Mm, yes, <laughs> give me some of that sweet, sweet USB branding. I, okay. If I know one thing about you is that you love the branding from the USB consortium. I love me some good USB changes. And go I am on. here to tell you that contrary to every other previous attempt at branding USB specs... The they've actually done a good job, Federico. Nah, get out of here. Super yeah. speed? 
is gone. No oh. more super speed. No more USB super, super speed. Super gun. It's super no gun. No more okay. two by two <laughs> by six by four USB super speed. Okay. There is now like two ways of categorizing USB. So okay. it's all like USB certified. And then there's a series of numbers that actually equate to things that are helpful. So for example, if you're just delivering data, say over a connector or a cable, it's USB 40 gigabits per second, 20, 10, 5. And that's the categorization. Wait, what? And they have specific logos for packaging of cables, for ports, and devices. So you can they, this is what they're suggesting people print on them, but effectively saying... These are the oh, okay. speeds of these. And then when power is in the mix, they have another one. So it would be like, say, for example, USB 40 gigabits per second, 60 watt mm-hmm. or 240 nice. watt. So nice. it actually feels like they have tidied up the branding and made it much more logical than it was before. Who would have guessed that actually telling people the specs of the cable was going to be nicer than associating a random adjective or other word with it. Mm-hmm. Who, who knew that it was going to be so easy? Rest in peace, super speed USB, five gigabits per second. <laughs> we hardly knew ye. Um, I'm going to miss the two by two, though. That was cool. Yeah, that, that will miss forever. And it's, I think it, you know, it's been a busy time over there in the USB consortium because... The European Union have passed the USB-C law. Quote, by the end of 2024, all mobile phones, tablets, and cameras, which is hilarious to me, sold in the EU will have to be equipped with a USB Type-C charging port. From spring 2026, this obligation will extend to laptops. The new law adopted by plenary, and I don't know if I said that word right, I also don't know what it means, on Tuesday with 602 votes in favor, 13 against, and 8 abstentions. I assume the abstentions, these people didn't understand what they were voting on, is part of a broader EU effort to reduce e-waste and to empower consumers to make more sustainable choices. Uh-huh. And continues, exemptions will apply for devices that are too small to offer a USB-C port, such as smartwatches, health trackers, and some sports equipment. Like heart rate monitors. <laughs> yeah, like the one you steal, Mike. No, 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 no. Now, look. I, look, we I have, have video footage of thieves. Yeah. Right? No, I, there's you, no video you, footage of me stealing anything. I'm sure at the time you looked kind of like that. You know, jumping over my jumping bed over things? to grab to grab my heart rate monitor. Okay. Um, I have a potentially controversial opinion about this stuff. I don't think it's going to be controversial in this show, but carry on. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter this week say, "I'm happy that they're that we're gonna get USB-C on the iPhone," but no, it shouldn't be the government or the EU to do this. I'm kind of happy that it was. Me too. <laughs> yes, I think this is yes, great. Yes, yes, I love it. Go for it. Some, I, w- I yeah, want someone okay. to force these companies to do it. Yes, because yes. otherwise they're never going to do it. No. Otherwise, they just need a little slap on the hand and be like, no, yep. no, nah, nah, not you do this now. Because yep. otherwise, we try to tell you nicely. We yep. try to suggest you that you should do this and you didn't. Now you're just going to have to do it. Mm-hmm. Because, I, I mean, uh, look, again, whatever this is the show for these kinds of opinions these companies they do whatever they want they come into europe and they pay their taxes in ireland of all places like they already do whatever they want with the money that they take from us 
at the very least, you gotta use a single damn cable instead of just all the stuff you've been using over the years. <laughs> like, at the very least, you should be doing this after you do whatever you please with your money over here. Mm-hmm. Now you just listen to us and you use that cable. I think it's the, it's the right call. Yeah. I think it's great. I don't really have a strong feeling about it, but I will say I think what the other side is worried about is that, yeah, it's great now, but does what happens if something after USB-C and is this law going to slow down innovation further down the road? Like I said, I don't really have feelings on either way. I want my iPhone to have USB-C. If that's, if that's what this means, then that's great. But I, I can see why this sort of regulation is good, but I can also see how it could be limiting in the future. But like y'all said, these companies haven't done it yet either. I mean, how many things are still running around with micro USB? Like mm-hmm. it's it's everywhere. And also, I don't want lightning cables anymore. I don't mm-hmm. want them. Mm-hmm. I don't want no. them. No. I want to be able to use USB-C cables with my iPhone. Yeah. I just, that's what I want. I don't want to have to keep like remembering to pack that other cable. Yep. Yep. Like, I'm done with it now. If we're going to have to have a port on the thing, put a USB-C port on the thing. Everything else in my life uses USB-C. My mm-hmm. Nintendo yep. does. My Steam Deck does. My iPad does. My MacBook does. Um, I mean, I do, what, what else do I have over here? Um, I, I used, like, an, a, another a, a remote a few days ago that had a USB-C charging port. Like, everything does except iPhone, AirPods, and the Apple TV remote. Like, mm-hmm. stop, mm-hmm. stop, just stop. And so yeah. the government had to force you, so be it. You know, could have listened before. And, and Lightning was a great improvement over the 30 pin, but it's been 10 years. And it was better than mini years. and micro USB, right? Like at the time. For sure. For sure. Yeah, this isn't, this isn't about Lightning being a bad connector, mm-hmm. because I think what made Lightning good, all of those things are also present in USB-C, right? It's small, it's reversible, it's pretty robust, but the rest of the world, including, <laughs> to your point, Federico, a lot of Apple's own ecosystem has moved to USB-C, and mm-hmm. I don't know why the phone hasn't. Is it the blowback that they're surely going to get because everyone has lightning stuff everywhere? I mean, this is the um, best possible way for them to have to do this if they're going to do it, because now they can move be like... Move to something that you're, ar- that you're already using elsewhere, right? That's that's the difference. Well, no, because th- no, they can say... Hey, look, we had to uh, do this. We were forced yeah. to do this, you know? Yeah, blame Europe. Some people in Discord were wondering, like, USB-C on cameras. And so I've experienced this recently uh, with my Sony camera that I got maybe six months ago has USB-C on it. And it means that you can transfer stuff really easily with just, like, a USB-C cable. And you could do it on older cameras with, like, again, micro USB or mini USB or something. But again, it's just nice to have everything the same. Yep. But what really excites me about it on the phone in particular, something that we talked about, I guess, in the last Ricky's episode, was file transfer speeds off the iPhone are miserable over Lightning because Lightning uses USB 2. And you're shooting ProRes video. You're taking raw photos, you know, giant images, giant media files. And there's no great way to get that stuff off the phone, right? I know uh, our buddy Austin Evans has talked about this, where he shoots a lot on iPhones. It's like you're airdropping it or you're waiting forever in image capture, like God forbid you're using iCloud photo and, and that sort of situation. You're waiting on hundreds of gigabytes to sync to iCloud and back. It's 
it's such a bottleneck to mm-hmm. what the iPhone could be in terms of a creative tool. And if they put USB-C super speed, you know, 40 gigabits or something in there, it could be really nice. And it turns the phone even more into a creative tool. And that's another really exciting part about this for me, that they could really kind of unlock the iPhone as a true powerhouse in terms of file, you know, media management. Because right now it's just a giant pain in the rear. I just want to pack one this cable. That's all. Mm-hmm. Federico, there's a new uh, beta of I- iPad OS 16.1. Is stage manager fixed? <laughs> this is a trick question. Um, n- n- no. It's getting better in the sense that in this latest beta, it doesn't crash every few minutes for me anymore. So that's good, right? It's not crashing. Um, you just pasted in Discord an image that is very emblematic of the current state of things with Stage Manager because there continue to be all sorts of UI layout and keyboard issues with Stage Manager. Today was the first day I was able to get regular work done with Stage Manager. Now you hear this sentence and you may react, oh great, now Tichi loves Stage Manager. The problem is that there's a bunch of asterisks that go with that (laughs) statement. I was able to work for a solid hour, stage manager, no crashes. But boy, was it challenging. First, I had to disable, disable a bunch of settings to make this possible. And I'll go in order. First of all, I disabled the strip of recent apps on the left um, because I continue to believe it takes up way too much space that I can otherwise use for app windows and you can always invoke it if you want by swiping over the edge of the screen so I think it's fine if I hide it by default. Second, I hid the dock and that's more related to a bug that I'm still experiencing in Stage Manager. Ideally, I would like to see the dock all the time at the bottom of the iPad. The problem is that whenever I drop an icon from Spotlight or the dock or from the home screen or whatever, like whenever I use drag and drop to bring an icon into my workspace, um, the app is automatically sized to cover the dock, to go over it, and therefore the dock gets hidden. Yeah, why does it do that? I don't know. (laughs) The more I resize these windows to be like, no, no, just an inch above the dock, please. It's like, Like, oh, I want to be in stage manager mode. Oh, no, no, you want full screen apps, right? No, that's the thing I'm not doing. (laughs) It's very strange. Yeah, everything, the more I resize these apps and the more whenever I use drag and drop, they decide, no, I just want to be a little taller. Uh, and so I decided, you know, I'm tired of this dance. I'm just going to hide the dock by default. And so, okay, I'm using effectively Stage Manager on an empty canvas, right? It's, which is actually quite nice. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I still don't understand why the, the wallpaper gets blurred that much. Um, but it's nice. I don't have any distractions. I can work with this. There were more settings that I had to disable. 
to make this workable right now in this current version. I noticed last night that Stage Manager was not crashing anymore. Great. The issue that we talked about last week with uh, the issue of clicking Windows and seeing no response, that was also fixed. But I noticed uh, an, a, an offspring of this bug, a new version of it, which was whenever I opened a new window from the same app, so for example, in Mail, I compose a new message that opens a new window. In Notes, I open a note in a standalone window. That's another Notes window. In Spring, the Twitter client, whenever I reply to a tweet, that opens a Compose window. Whenever the same app opens a new window, the new window does not accept keyboard input. Just, I couldn't type, I couldn't use keyboard shortcuts, couldn't do anything. And get this. If I close the window, the secondary one, the primary one does what Steven pasted in Discord, the thick uh, window thing. Like, it, it glows larger, and then it crashes. It, it, but, it gets, but it gets better. It's amazing. It gets better. What a bug. I discovered today... And that's the reason why I was finally able to work with Stage Manager for an hour. That all of this is gone if you in settings, general, keyboard, you disable two options, predictive and shortcuts. If you disable this, you don't have any keyboard issues anymore with Stage Manager in iPadOS 16.1 beta whatever the number is. <laughs> 17. <laughs> 10, I believe it's Why? 10. No, I don't know. Why? I don't know. I've had issues is with something this. something to do with the quick type bar? It's yes. Like it looks like that. Send it out? Looks like, looks like it, whatever it is, if you disable predictive and shortcuts, the keyboard doesn't get quote-unquote stuck for lack of a better term anymore. So I was able to finally get some real work done with Stage Manager. I was on a Zoom call, I wrote a post for MacStories Weekly, I did some email, you know, what my work is supposed to be. And it was, I'll tell you, it's nice when it works. I still don't, I still don't buy the overlapping Windows thing, but using four things at the same time, nice. The problem is, uh, is that one, all those workarounds to make this possible, they shouldn't be necessary, right? And second, there continue to be two main design-related problems, in my opinion, with Stage Manager. Like, I'm not talking about performance, I'm talking about actual decisions that were made by Apple. The first one, I want to be able to click an icon in Spotlight or in the dock, just click it once and add it to my current workspace. On macOS, this is possible. If you shift-click an app, instead of creating a workspace, it adds it to the current one. Right now, the only way to do this is with drag and drop, which, like, what, are we back in the iOS 11 days when drag and drop was the only way? Why can you not do what you did for the same feature on macOS? Let me shift-click a search result or an icon in the dock to add whatever I selected to my current workspace. And the second problem, Stage Manager is fixated 
on this idea of creating works, new workspaces for you all the time. Now, I don't know if this, actually, I don't know if this is a decision or a bug. I can just tell you what happens. And what happens is sometimes you command tab to an app that you know has windows open, like a bunch of windows open. And instead of taking you to the last used window, it creates a new one. It creates an empty workspace with a new window, even though you know that you have an existing window for that app. Other times, I was just today, I, I, and I posted a video on Twitter. I was in a workspace, a spring window with you know my Twitter client, Safari next to it. I click a link in spring, and instead of opening a new tab in the Safari window right next to it, it creates a new workspace with a new Safari window for that link. And I don't understand why. If you do this with split view, it doesn't do that. And the best part is, it only do- these are the best bugs because it only does it sometimes. <laughs> sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> I feel like I'm losing my mind over here. Uh, document Like each week... I come to you guys and to connect to the connected listeners, to the passionate ones. It feels like I just went, I, I went grocery shopping for some fresh new bugs, and here you are. <laughs> Each week I deliver to you the latest bugs about Stage Manager. Like, I'm tired of doing this. I don't, I, <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. I, I just want to work. Man, I just want to get my work done. And instead, each week, I'm like the bearer of bad news. Here I come with the fresh bugs. Here you go. Enjoy. Now, this week, Unconnected, opening links in Safari. And what was the other one? The thick window uh, and the keyboard stuff. Like, enough. Just please. Mm-hmm. I just, I, want, I don't want to do this anymore. We'll check back in next week. Yeah, <laughs> for some more fresh new bugs for you. Real quick, I just wanted to thank everybody. Uh, we closed down our annual St. Jude fundraiser on uh, Monday, just a couple of days ago. And the final amount totaled $706,397.10, which is an all-time record for our campaign. Absolutely amazing. The last few days, people really showed up. And uh, just thank you. It's it's a real honor to work on this every year and to see growth year over year in what is a, a pretty rough economy for a lot of people was really exciting and just uh, a lot of fun and very humbling. So thank you all. Yeah, if you gave and you have uh, donation rewards coming to you, emails will start coming out relatively soon. So just keep an eye on your inbox. We are working on getting all that put together and uh, you should be hearing more about that very soon. Federico, can you say the number in Italian, please? Ah, oh, let me look. Where is the number? It's in, it's in a document. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I can. It's going to be a lot of words, I can tell you. That's what I, that's what I wanted. 706,397,10. I'm not used to reading numbers in Italian. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows what you just said, you know? Right now, I'm at the point where, and Sylvia makes fun of me constantly now. Like, she looks at stuff that I write in Italian, and she's like, what did you just write? What is that? That's not Italian. Like, but this has become, like, uh, this problem has gotten worse over the years, much, much worse. And I've now reached the point where sometimes I say something in Italian, and I'm like, wait, that sounds strange. Like, did I say it right? 
It's a, I'm in a very odd predicament with this stuff lately. You're a fake Italian boy. This episode of Connected is made possible by Capital One. Have you ever hit a technical snafu while shopping online? Are payment fields giving you a headache? Has your mobile banking app been down when you really needed to use it? Capital One believes everyone deserves better banking. This means easier access to their money and more security. That's why Capital One is investing in machine learning. Machine learning allows Capital One to do things like fight fraud with random forests, with models that quickly detect suspicious activity and make it faster to alert federal investigators. And they identify how mobile app outages happen with causal models. Keeping their mobile app up and running doesn't happen by accident. Anomaly detection and incident response help determine why app outages happen so engineers can quickly remedy them. Capital One is speeding up online shopping with ML at the Edge. They make shopping with virtual card numbers smoother and more secure. This technology is based on logistic regression models and running inference in the browser. It identifies payment fields, which helps make using virtual card numbers easier and faster. The potential of machine learning is so big. See how Capital One is using machine learning to create the future of banking. Search machine learning at Capital One or check out the link in the show notes. Capital One, what's in your wallet? You got a choice now, really. We can we can talk about AirPods Pro two, or we can talk about Spark. Mm, I say we we flip a coin. Okay. Oh, someone has to do that though, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah I say you flip the coin. Okay. We'll say uh, heads for AirPods because they go in your head. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's yeah. good. And then tails. Okay, tails. Of course. Yeah. So we're gonna talk about AirPods Pro two. Wait. No, it was Tails, right? So we're talking about Spark. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about Spark. All right. Okay. Now, okay. <laughs> this is going to be a certain kind of energy, I think, coming to this conversation. I feel like really I'm maybe the only of us that's going to feel so passionately about this. Yeah, I can tell you that I'm still on the old version. So mm. all the passion is coming from you. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I want to preface this by saying that I am a long-term Spark user. It's mm-hmm. the email app. And I am a long-term paying team member of Spark. So, you know, you'll see a lot of people, a lot of the angst ar- around the application at the moment. Spark is an email app. They just received an update. It's like Spark 3 or whatever they're calling it. Uh, a lot of angst is around that they've moved to having a subscription model for everyone but there is a free version uh still and the free version people are frustrated by the fact that it is adding a scent with spark in the footer or whatever now no i'll say all this like (laughs) that is what is frustrating people i don't care about any of that because i already pay yeah let me ask you this just real quickly i use mail.app but how do y'all feel about leaving the scent with iphone oh i would never no why why would i do that no no. See, I leave it because oh, I so feel basic. like it's a hedge against egregious typos in emails. Like, oh, they sent it from their phone. No, just read your email again and use a real signature like a grown-up man. What is what is your signature? What is your email signature? In my personal and my like 512 email, it's just my name and then my email address under it. But my relay one, because sometimes it's like official business, 
I have Stephen Hackett, co-founder, Relay FM, and then my email address. So where does it say sent with iPhone? Uh, well, on the iPhone, so I was looking on the Mac. Uh, on the iPhone, I think it just says my name and sent with iPhone. Why do people put their email addresses in the signature? Like, I already know your email address. You sent me an email. So I, I do it as on the Mac as a check that I'm sending from the right email account because the little drop-down menu is, like, easy to overlook. Okay, that makes sense. Mm. All right, so... I am a Spark customer, long-time Spark customer. Mm -hmm. They've done two things. One is a brand-new Mac app, right? Mm -hmm. And the brand-new Mac app is like a whole thing. And I'm using it because I kind of want to get to... I want to give it its, like, opportunity to show me what their point of view is now. I'll get to whether I think it makes sense to even have one in a minute. But, like they believe they have a way that I should be doing my email. So I'm going to see what that's about. Like, and I'm putting it through its paces and have been for the last couple of days. Right. But the thing that I don't understand is they have a Mac app, which is this whole new design and has all these new features, but the iOS app, the visuals have not changed at all, at all. It just still looks like the old one, but they have a new smart mailbox kind of filtering system like the way they show you the email but like the mac app has this whole big new design they still offer the old mac app i'm not really sure why but they still do probably because they knew that people would be mad i don't understand like no one was pushing them to do this i don't know why they've only done it by half right that this is what i don't understand now maybe people say oh they need a new business model they can have a new business model they did not need to do everything that they have done to have a new business model also. They could just as easily give a new few new features, say we're a subscription app now, and like move on with their lives. But instead, the team at Spark, which is owned by Redor, have decided that instead of just updating their email app with new features, they have decided that there is now a new way of doing email, and they are giving that to their existing <laughs> customer base. <laughs> the most egregious of which is there is no longer an archive button. It is now called done, and it's a tick, right? Now, just fundamentally, this frustrates me. Do you want to know why? Because when you suppress done on an email, where does it go? To the archive, which they still call archive. It doesn't go in the done folder. <laughs> no, it's like they didn't, even, they didn't even complete the idea to it. It's just half-baked, right? Like you... It's like, oh, we have this whole new way of doing email and we want you to think differently about email. So now when you're done with an email, you just press done. It's like, one, I don't like that, but two, okay, let me see what you've got. But then it just goes to the archive. So it's still archiving. You didn't change it in any real way. So, so, so okay, is it just like uh, the same button but with a different name? Like it still does what it's supposed to do, right? Well, it depends. Right? So it is the same. It's a, it's a different button with a different name. So it's a tick and it says done. I mean, as long as it goes into the archive, like as long as it archives, you know. However, it doesn't always. Oh, no. Oh, no. So I am a, they are a sponsor, but I have been in pay for SaneBox, right? And so I have email that goes to the Sane Later and the Sane News folder. Yes, same here. Yeah. So they go there. Now, then when I go to those folders, I can look at those emails, and I used to be able to archive them, right? Oh, no. By swiping. So I use the swiping a lot, right? They have changed their swipe to no longer be, like, archive or just done. It's now done slash not done. I don't know why 
that's the thing. So if you swipe on an email and you either mark it as done or you mark it as not done. So I'm assuming that their thing is like that you would swipe it if it's in the archive and it would go back to the inbox. But if you swipe an email that is in a folder as done, even if it's oh, unread, no. it puts it in the inbox now. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Right? No. Why? Why would you do this? <laughs> now, I'm no. sure this is a bug, but like... Why? And they've done this to the iPhone, right? So <laughs> the reason I'm using all of their features as they have presented them to me now is because they have a completely rendered Samebox unusable. Oh god! So I have to have disabled Samebox, which I've done at the moment, and I'm like, okay, Spark, show me what you've got when it comes to filtering my emails, right? right? Into like right. newsletters because they, because they and do notifications. That because Yes. They also do that. Okay. So I'm like, well, I might as well try this now because you have completely destroyed my email filtering system because it, I can't get rid of the email easily without first moving it to the inbox before then moving it to the archive, which still exists as archive. <laughs> right? So that's one part that I have. The, the, the Mac app is like the, clearly their grand vision and... They're able to do this because it's web technology. So they're pushing it further. They've also launched on Windows. Mm. I will say, by and large, I don't care about that. Um, what it has actually done is made like keyboard shortcuts way better. They now have like a bunch of keyboard shortcuts that are similar to Gmail, right? So if I'm on an email and just press the R key, I can start a reply. That's cool. Right? So like because they've moved to some form of web technologies that you can benefit from things like that, right? But the Mac app now, I'm actually taking a diversion. The Mac app has no permanent sidebar anymore. Oh, no. Wait, what? And there's no. nothing you can do. You can, you can tap the sidebar and it overlaps over the windows or not. It has no preview pane either. What? So you click an email. It opens the email. You do your thing and you press back and you go back to the inbox. There is no column views of any kind in the app. Wait. This is in the Mac version. Well, I mean, it's a lot like, hey, it's a lot like Gmail. It reminds me of Superhuman. Yeah, it's like all of these things. I don't know why they are that way. I don't know why they choose to be that way. What I will say ultimately, like you say, oh, this reminds me of this, right? Basically, every single feature that Spark have implemented into their email app is, has already been done somewhere else, including down to like iconography. So I'll come back to what I was going to talk about in a minute. But one thing they have now is a email screening feature that they've called Gatekeeper. <laughs> and email pops up and you can either accept it or block the sender. I actually do want this feature. That's fine. But like they've done a thumbs up and a thumbs down. It looks just like hey, right? Like it just 100% just yeah. looks like what, what he did. And hey. like, but look, email apps are built upon the shoulders of each other and they always have been, right? Like it's just one of those things where over time, all of the apps have borrowed features from each other, right? All going back to the greatest email app of all time, Mailbox. For some reason, Rest in peace. every single good. feature from Mailbox has been redone, except the ability to freely move the email around. Why has nobody ever done this? I don't understand. Anyway, they have a thing on the Mac app, which is a home screen, mm, which I is see. like, here's an inspirational image, and it's like, good morning. <laughs> good morning. No, good morning. <laughs> Their general idea <laughs> is that they, by default, will only let you access no. your email at certain no, times no. of the See, day. This is my problem. And you have to override that. It's like, come on, you're not my dad. I don't need you to do this by default. I don't understand why. Like, I don't need my email client to be my life coach.
bitch. You are my email you client. You do not need to do this. You oh. look. If I want to set this up and you want to give me those features, fine. But by default, no. <laughs> that part immediately turned off and is very easy to turn off. And now I never see okay. it. So I will give him a thumbs mm. up on that. Of like that okay. part, I can just jettison into the sun and I never need to think about it again. Right. <laughs> What? The Mac what and iOS it? apps now yeah. could not look more different from each other. Like, one, the Mac OS app has no dark mode, which is just like, no, what are you doing? You didn't even, like, did you even bother? Like, your old app has it. Like, this is like this thing of like, I don't understand why they have chosen to do this part now, considering mm. they have done so little to the iOS app, except add in the bare bones like need to add this in so it works with the overall system of like the gatekeeper and i'll get to notification and newsletter filtering in a minute like they've added those in but they're like they look clunky in the ios app because like they're not really supposed to be there it's like i'm not fully sure why they decided to just redesign one platform and they still didn't do all of it and like and it's super weird right that you can turn all these features off like all of the stuff, you can just use it like on the iOS and iPadOS or the Mac. It's just like, this is just old school way, but you've still got it. Like it's, you can't archive anymore. You're still doing the done thing, which I just find strange. On the iOS app, it is nightmarish to recategorize an email. So like they do the, the, the categorization, right? Like it's like personal, uh, notification, and newsletter. On the on the Mac app, you can like open this panel that also reminds me of Hey, where you can type in what you want to do with an email, and it like gives you a bunch of options, right? So like, let me let me just bring this up. So you can, I don't even remember how to do it. There's so many command center they call it. So and then you can like, we have a bunch of keyboard shortcuts, and there's like a whole list of things you can do with an email, but you can just start typing them in, and it will take you there. And one of them is to just like, oh, this is an email, category, change category to newsletter, or change category to notification. So that's pretty easy to do on the Mac version. On the iOS app, you would not know how to do this unless you used Spark so much like I do. So currently, if you get an email that comes through from a sender as a newsletter but you or a notification but you actually want to show in the inbox an example of this for me was google security alerts like security alerts or whatever like two-factor codes say some that might come by email you don't necessarily want those to be notifications because they're hidden and if somebody's signed into my gmail account i'd prefer it to show in the inbox right you have to tap on the email tap on the sender like like the to field so you're tapping on your own name really but you're tapping on the to field and then there are these three buttons under the name of the subject line. <laughs> one says people, one says notification, one says newsletter. Now, the reason this is so complicated is because Spark used to do all this sort of stuff if you wanted it to, but it wasn't so important. And they didn't bother to change that in any way. Like there is in the in the Mac app, you can change it via like these toolbar buttons. And the app kind of has these toolbar buttons on iOS that are hidden behind three dots. And you can tap the three dots and it will say to you, add to priority sender, which is like a new thing that they have, or it kind of pins those people at the top like VIPs. So they've added that button in, but they haven't added, and they've also added in the mute conversation button, a block domain button, all good buttons. 
a set aside button, which is another thing they took from Hey, right? Where you can like save, set this email aside and it kind of just floats in the app. Yeah. Right? It's like a pinned kind of way to remind you. So they've got all of that, but they haven't got the way to recategorize an email. So they've added a bunch of buttons except this one button. So you have to do this really weird like workaround to get it to to be able to actually recategorize an email, right? So let's talk about these categorizations. So they have notifications and they have newsletters. The way these are implemented on both platforms, visually very different, but on both of them, really confusing. So one thing that they do is like they kind of, on the, on the Mac, it's like got this own little icon and it says newsletters and you get like an icon and like the name of the sender. So you could, they like collapse it basically. So if you had like four newsletters, they kind of stack up like horizontally. So you would see like, newsletter one, newsletter two, newsletter three. So you at least have the names of the apps, the emails that are in there. On iOS, it shows just the icon, the icon that they've chosen sometimes for that sender, which might not be really of anything that makes any sense. So like, for example, I have a Relay FM icon on my notifications. Well, that was PayPal. So that's not particularly helpful. <laughs> It's not not particularly helpful for me, but on the Mac, it says PayPal, right? Because they've completely implemented the UI differently on both platforms. But so it does this categorization, right? So it collects up emails for you that it's decided or even newsletters or notifications. The issue is it moves around all the time. So you have two options of where you can put it, right? You can either pin these categories to the bottom of the emails you've received today, like in the inbox view or like in the emails themselves? So in the inbox view, they categorize things by today, yesterday, last week, and then into months, right? Got it. So you can pin notifications and newsletters to the bottom of the email list that you've received today, or you can choose them to be chronological based on when the last email in that category was received. Both of these options are bad in their own individual ways. Allow me to explain. The one that is chronological, so every time a new newsletter comes in, right, means that consistently throughout the day, the notifications and newsletters will be reprioritizing itself as to where it believes it should sit based on like when the most recent notifications come in. But that doesn't necessarily mean that this is the most important. In fact, this whole category is supposed to suggest that these emails are less important, right? It's why they've taken them out of my inbox. However, throughout the day, this may continue to keep reappearing on the top of the list for me, right? So that's just weird. It seems like a bug more than anything else. No, it's a choice, Stephen. <laughs> you choose. So you've got inbox groups, Hmm. position in the list, stick to today or chronological. Like the, this is the intended way that these are things that these are supposed to go. But what's worse is the stick to today, right? So if you choose stick to today, what will happen is it will, you know, as new emails come in throughout the day, it, they go above the, these notifications on newsletters, right? Until the day ticks over. When the day ticks over, they're now at the top of your email inbox. So notifications that could now be four days old take number one priority in your email inbox if you haven't cleared them. Because they now, as soon as midnight ticks over, notifications will appear above any emails received the previous day, no matter who they're from unless they're priority senders. But ultimately, these filters just move up and down in your inbox all the time. 
Why do they not have fixed places inside of the app? I know you don't like the sidebar anymore, but maybe there could just be like an icon somewhere. Or like give me that as a choice. But like these two things, they're just like flying all over the place all the time. Also, by default, I still get notifications for all of these things. And if I get an an email that comes in as a newsletter and I mark it as done from the email notification, by and large, when I open the app, it's still there as a new email inside of the notification. And I don't like section. I don't know why it's doing that. That's a bug. Similarly, I have my emails out of sync on, on my Mac and on my iPhone. Some, e- some emails that I mark as done, they don't remove from my inbox on one platform or the other. These are bugs. The other things are just bad choices. Or like they're categorized wrong. So like I got an email from my credit card provider. On my iPad, it was considered a regular email. On my Mac, it was considered a notification email. So because you can get real payments done on an iPad. Yeah. Talking about the done, <laughs> by the way. So like on iOS, they replaced the archive button with the done button. So it's this little tick instead of the archive thing. But on the Mac, they have, you look at an email, top right-hand corner, they have a bunch of buttons that you can press for it, right? You can mark it. You can set aside, mark as priority, mark as unread, delete it, or snooze it. On the top right-hand corner, that's where all the buttons are. It's where the buttons have always been for Spark. They're always in the top right-hand corner. The done button... Arguably the most important button for email is way smaller and it's on the top left hand side next to the back button. Oh no. No. Bun- buttons shouldn't go there. I don't know why it's up there. It's top left hand corner, you've got done and back. And they're also in one like circle button of a with a divider through the middle. As if they do kind of like one or the other thing. I don't understand why they've done that. That's just mad to me. I think that might be the end of my current list of grievances, but I have like a, just an overall thing that I want to say. Like people might say like you can turn off some of these features, change app or whatever, but like I'm really ingrained in Spark's sharing features and have been a paying customer for years now. And so like I'm kind of stuck for now unless I decide I want to completely blow up my entire way of doing dealing with work email even more than they decided to do it for me which i will say i believe it is incredibly arrogant for a developer to think that they have a brand new take for email and then force it on their existing user base mm-hmm. especially when they're paying for it if you decide you want to do this read all create a new service right because you've decided that you want to make a, like Oh, we don't believe that you should even use the verbiage that literally everybody else uses. We've decided (laughs) it should change. If you want to give this a shot, fine. Go give it a shot. But like fundamentally reshaping things for people that are used to the convention of literally every other email app since Gmail was invented. It's incredibly arrogant, especially when your first shot at it is genuinely as bad as this update is. That is the end of what I have to say about this. I'm super upset about this, as you can tell, because I don't know why they've done it. I just can't, I can't work it out. There are so many things they could have done to make subscription money. They didn't need to go this far. The, the only thing I want to say, first of all, thank you, Mike. I really enjoy the spiciness of all of this. Just looking at the website for Spark, I get this vibe from it of spark now being this silicon valley 
modern service that wants to make your life better. And it's not just about, you know, doing email. It's about a new way of working. It's about refine your workflow, build better habits. Like, I don't, I don't want you to tell me about my habits. I don't need my email client to lecture me on my habits. I need my email client like I need a, like I need a screwdriver. When I take you out of the box and you need to do your thing and then I close you or I put you back in the box and you're done. Like this relationship between me and you, email client, like it's a transaction. I give you money. I give you my interactions. You do your job. There are no feelings here. There are no lecturing, no habits, no, like, we're not friends. And instead, I get this vibe from this website, like, find your focus, love your email client. And I mean, it, a pretty good tell from this website is the fact that one of the demo emails that they show is new NFT release the, as the subject no. line. And that pretty much sums it up, like the kind of vibe they're going for. And when I saw that, I was like, yep. I, I get it now. That's that's the vibe we're getting from this. I understand your frustration, Mike. And uh, my takeaway from all of this is, you know, I'm pretty glad I went back to Apple Mail months ago. I, I want to now. Like, I came to this realization, like, I think the only place I could be happy is in a really simple email app now. And Apple Mail is the simplest. I have come to rely so much on the team sharing. I I don't know what I'm going to do. Mm, yeah, I get it. Right? Like, go back to plain old-fashioned forwarding. <laughs> yeah, but then how do I have conversations in line? Like, that's such a massive thing for me. It's I like, know, I know. Now I have to start, like, taking PDFs or screenshots of email again and talking about them in Slack. Like, I just don't want to do that. But, like, if this is the route they're going to go down, I don't want to be in it. Like, I have been a as much of a fan and have spoken as much as well as I can about any email app as I have about Spark, like their team sharing service. Like I have evangelized that because I think it's a fantastic thing that they did and they implemented it so well and it's been rock solid for the many years I've used it. But like, I don't want this. I don't want this. And like, I have no problem with them doing this. If they think that they want to create this, like we're going to look after you in our little garden of email. <laughs> they can make that if they want to, but I don't, but, but like, I don't want it to be this. They should make a different thing that does that. They should actually let me disable all of the stuff, but I can't. The little garden of email. That's good. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Hurley. Welcome to email. <laughs> let us. Ask I mean, but this is it. Good morning. Let's check your inbox. No, no, just... Like, I already decided that when I opened the app. You don't need to tell me that now we can check it together. You don't need to hold my hand. I am a grown-up. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Sofa. When you hear about a great new TV show, book, or podcast, what would you do? Scribble it down on a sticky note? Maybe in your to-do app? That's what I do, and it's bad. In any case, you're likely to forget about it. And instead of feeling stuck not knowing what to watch, listen, or play next... Next time you hear a great recommendation, throw it in Sofa. With the Sofa app, you can create lists for almost anything. Podcasts, apps, books, board games, movies, TV shows, music albums, and video games. Then you can use these lists to decide your next book to read, movie to watch, or video game to play. Sofa's design is inspired by some of the best productivity apps, but it's focused on helping you be more intentional with your downtime. 
you really don't want to keep track of this stuff in your regular to-do manager because this is your downtime. You're away from your to-do manager. Who wants reminders of work tasks when you're trying to unwind? Use Sofa and get a dedicated place for organizing your downtime. With Sofa, you can create unlimited lists, sync your data with iCloud, track your activity, and more, all completely free. And if you're looking for more power, upgrade to Super Sofa to customize lists with cover images and descriptions, add sticky notes to items, see your stats and activity, prioritize items with the shelf, and personalize the look and feel with over 100 different themes. I've been using Sofa for a while now, and I literally had a to-do list that was like to read and to watch. And I spent a little bit of time moving all of those into Sofa, and it's so much better. They're out of my my to-do manager. Sofa is genuinely a beautiful iOS app, really easy to use, and I'm so happy that I've made the switch. So go check it out. It's available for the iPhone, the iPad, and Apple Silicon Macs. Start organizing your downtime today by heading over to sofahq.com slash connected. That's sofahq.com slash connected to download Sofa and to get more out of your downtime. Our thanks to Sofa for their support of Connected and Relay FM. Hi there. This is Future Steven editing this episode, and we really didn't address it very well. So we recorded the interview with Underscore before the rest of the show, and Federico couldn't make it due to like a scheduling conflict. So Mike and I spoke to Underscore, and then we came back around and recorded the rest of the show. It was very confusing live and very confusing in the edit, so I just wanted to clarify things. Uh, but anyways, back to the show. For this last segment of the show this week, we are joined by a very special guest. Hello, underscore David Smith. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm trying to think last time you were on. It's been a while. It's been too long, so thank you for for joining us. Uh, we want to talk to you about the Apple Watch Ultra, but before we get there, I just need to know, how did you become such a good vlogger? I was watching this video, and I was so angry about how good it was. I think that's very kind of you. It's probably the first thing to say. It's uh, it's definitely not something that I have a ton of experience with. I've done a few little videos like this over the over the years where like I do a little video for like my wife or my parents or things like that. But um, I think I did a little bit of the developing the skills there. But I think also I've just watched a lot of vlogs. And I think you kind of get a sense for what works and what doesn't and um, and that. But yeah, it's like it is very much this is a, a new skill for me that I'm uh, developing. Unbelievably to me, the last time Dave was on the show as like a guest like we have here, like not including the family feuds and stuff. Episode 45 Whoa. in June of 2015. That doesn't seem possible. <laughs> right? <laughs> that seems wrong, but... I don't know. Yeah. Well, the CMS is only as good as the data people put in it, you know? That's what I say. Interesting. Okay. It's either me or you, right? That's what that data in. So we'll find out later on if one of us was wrong. It's good to be back either way. Yeah. So if, if you haven't read slash watched uh dave's apple watch ultra review you should go do that you took it out and hiked with it for several days and there were several things i wanted to touch on here uh the first one is uh dave what could you say to mike hurley to get him to buy an apple watch ultra i mean i I think the biggest thing that i would get i imagine would be a like a, a thing that would get mike in the door with this 
is the way it looks. That I think there are some things that it does that are very cool and very like fun from a, if you want to go out into the wilderness perspective. But I think just on the wrist, I love it. Like, I think it looks great. I think the titanium in orange is just gorgeous. And I think the size actually is an enhancement to its like fashionability rather than a, a detraction. And so I think those are the things that I think as soon as one ever touches Mike's wrist, it is going to stay there. <laughs> and it's just a question of how long it is until he goes into a store or someone in his life uh, happens to put one on him. Well, let's, let's hope that that doesn't happen because based on what you said, if me and you met for lunch and you put it on my wrist, that now becomes my watch. That's, that's how you just described that. <laughs> So I would look out. If I was, mm. <laughs> or I guess we're having lunch at an Apple store so I can have you try on one of their watches first. Take pack, pack lunches, go on some sandwiches, just sit down, watch a little presentation. Eat our we can sit in the Grove. I am not convinced of that. So oh, said, see, all of the images that I've seen, it looks way nicer than I expect. And I understand what you mean about like the fashionability aspect. But like my thing is like, how would this be with a like a shirt with cuffs, right? Like a long sleeve shirt. And I don't like, or, or like a nice suit jacket or something. I'm not convinced that this watch would sit kindly under, like under or around that kind of, that kind of thing. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, maybe I think that would depend a lot on the, the, the strap more than I think the, the actual watch itself. Like my suspicion is if you put one of those, like, uh, like the brown metallic link, uh, or like the one of the link bracelets or any of those kind of like f- you know fancy looking bands I think you'd, it would dress up pretty well um, and especially if you wore it uh, crown in which is the way that I tend to wear it oh I can't do that it's it's I, I think it's the best but if you if you can't that I, I think it, that also classes it up a bit under a shirt because then only a little bit is sticking out rather than like the crown and all the other but then the watch is upside down and the other button sticking out if the crown is on the left the watch is upside down and and I will go to my grave with that argument. No one will convince me otherwise. I don't think it has to be that extreme. Can I just let's dial that back a little bit? No, no. <laughs> like because I will die before I do this. I will die. I will die on this on this mountain. Like I will. I I will. Unlike Dave, who goes up mountains and doesn't die, I I will die on this this mountain. I know the 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 phrase is hill, but I figured considering we're talking about the ultra, it should all convert to mountains rather than hills. Yeah. Uh, Dave, what bands have you tried on the Ultra? Sure. So I have tr- uh, I have the Orange Alpine Loop was the band that I like bought with it, which I think is fantastic and works really well for just like general use. And then I've tried it with all of the other bands that I have at home. So I tried it with a braided uh, solo loop, which I think looks really nice, but I need to get a smaller sized solo loop because it because the watch is physically taller, it means that the sizing doesn't fit like my 45 millimeter um, braided solo loop. So it, like it looks nice, but it's a little bit wobbly, which I don't particularly like. Um, and I've tried it with the Sport Loop and the Sport Band and the uh, Nike Sport Band. And I think it actually looks it looks solid with all of those. I think I really like the way that it's the like I have. The look of it with uh, the white uh, sport band, I think, is my second favorite look compared uh, after the orange Alpine loop. Um, like, I think that's just such a classic kind of pairing of tit- like the tit- and the titanium and white just like really play off each other well, I think. Yeah, I, I picked up, I, I was just kind of poking around the Apple Store app and they had the ocean band in white 
in stock at my local store. So I picked one up and I haven't switched back to the Alpine Loop. The Ocean Band is sort of weird looking. Uh, in yellow, I think it looks like a bunch of like macaroni noodles all taped together. Yeah. But I like the white and the titanium a lot. And the uh, our friend uh, David Sparks, I think he had a tweet about this or uh, I'll try to dig it up. But his, he was like doing some stuff like around the house and in the yard and his orange band is already like really um, kind of uh, dirty looking. And, you know, you can clean them or whatever, but it's something to be aware of for any, really any cloth or fabric band. David Sparks working in, down in the mine? What's going on with this? He's, he's in the content mines, you know, chipping out tips for people that must be make you watch real dirty i thought that's wild but like look but it's it's fabric though right like that's the difference between this watch band and a lot of the other apple watch bands this is a fabric band Mm -hmm. but like i think most people are used to some form of rubber as their apple watch band so this is would be a surprise i guess yeah and i will say i have put all of my fabric bands like in the washing machine just like in one of those little like delicates bags like many times and it works totally fine yeah they come out super clean. So that's that's what I that's my solution to that problem is if I was out working in the content mines and came back with a dirty strap, I would just like throw it in the laundry with a, you know, my next load and it would be fine. I wonder if there is a knowledge base article on cleaning Apple Watch pens. There is. There is. Interesting. There is. I have linked to it in the past, I think. I'm trying to find it now, but it... There's several like cleaning ones. Okay, here's one. Band care information for Apple Watch Ultra. This is a specific. Oh, look at this. Okay, this is not related, but such uh, talking about third-party accessory bands. Some may interfere with the wrist detect feature, interfere with compass, may contain materials that cause skin sensitivities. They just want you to buy. Yeah, I love um, that. That just like, ooh, those third-party bands. They might make your arm fall off. You want to watch out for those things. Yeah, and there's some cleaning stuff in there, so uh, have to take care. So yeah, don't don't use scary Amazon bands. Um, but yeah, the Ocean Band is cool. I, I I like the white look a lot. I think it's one of the. It's, I look forward to seeing that one in person because yeah, in, in pictures it looked like macaroni, but if in, in person, I imagine it looked a little nicer. All right, I have a question for the two of you. I want to know your second impressions. Right, we had your first impression, Stephen. We spoke about it on the show last week. And um, I'm actually starting to think that Federico has some kind of problem with the Apple Watch Ultra, right? Like on last week's episode, he conveniently got robbed when we were talking about the Apple Watch Ultra. This week's episode, he's gone mysteriously, like he's mysteriously disappeared. I think he has a problem with it, but we can maybe get on that another time. Uh, Maybe he has one, doesn't want to talk about it. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with him. But I want to know your second impressions, right? You've had it for an extra week both of you is there anything that you have changed your mind on is there anything that you prefer about the watch than you did last time we you spoke about it or is there anything that is more frustrating for you um than it was previously like has anything changed with longer term use i think the only things that come to mind so i've definitely noticed that i i hold the watch slightly differently when i'm using uh, the crown or the side button now that because the action button is on the opposite side, like sometimes you can accidentally bump into it. And I found that I now like, because the screen is slightly raised up, I find that I'm like putting my, uh, my index finger on essentially the raised edge of the screen. And I hold it there when I'm interacting with the other buttons rather than pressing on the back, uh, you know, the opposing side of the watch, which was something that I, I didn't do initially, but I've definitely now, uh, 
notice that I start to do. Um, I think I'm I'm noticing that I really don't care. It's like the, the battery life is now kind of a weird thing in practice where I just don't like I don't charge my watch to full anymore. Like I just put it on the the charger when I'm taking a shower, and it's that's all I need to do. And I have no idea what battery it is, but it just, it never runs out anymore. Like, whereas I feel like I would notice in normal use that periodically you would just, you know, you'd get the little like buzz buzz on your wrist and it's like, Hey, you know, your watch is uh, running low in battery, but I've just never, that never seems to happen anymore. So like, that's definitely a plus and something that in my initial uses, I was very focused on battery life, but in just like normal day to day, you know, do like an hour of exercise a day and otherwise just like normal stuff and wearing it overnight to sleep track. It seems very much just like it's more than enough. And if you charge it at all during the day, it'll probably be um, plenty to get you through the day. And um, I think the only thing that I'm noticing is that I definitely feel like the screen is the screen feels big, bigger than the software can take advantage of. Um, and like, is definitely something that I look at it and sometimes it feels like if you ever use an iPhone in the display zoomed mode, yep. where like you can, t- you know, you can have a, uh, like a pro max, but have it, a use the, you know, pretend that your phone is actually just a pro and it scales everything up. And it kind of feels like the ultra has a little bit of that feel to it. Um, which is, isn't necessarily a bad thing. Like it makes it very glanceable, but it definitely feels sometimes that I'm like, Whoa, it's like this big screen, but not like big data. So I think those are my kind of like after, after having used it a little bit longer notes. I agree with, with all of that in particular, the software not taking advantage of the the bigger screen it's like you could do so much more with it um i think the only thing i would add is that the size has become normalized for me some point over the last probably even the last like two or three days i don't look down at it and think oh gosh that's big (laughs) it's just like this is just what my apple watch looks like and i wore my series 7 the other night to sleep and uh, i put it on i was like oh this watch is teeny tiny and weirdly bubbly and like not flat and it's funny just how quickly you get used to what you wear every day but i've been i've continued to be really happy with it and i think it's by far the best apple watch i've ever i've ever owned this is the thing i think i'm struggling to 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 get my head around right uh you know i've i've consumed all the content right i listened to you and david talk about it on mac power users as well Stephen. right like i'm hearing all these people talk about it I think like the thing that I'm struggling is it just because it's new and different? Like, is that why everyone likes it? Because it's new and different? Because as you're saying, right, the software is not really doing anything specific. That a lot of the features that it's that, that it does have, realistically, most of us are never going to use or, or use very infrequently. Is it the newness that makes it so enticing? Like, I think I'm struggling to get my head around like why everyone's so excited about it. I mean, I think it makes me think a lot of the reality, like the way that iPhone phone screen size kind of can hit differently for different people where like, you know, sort of like plus club or now like the max phones was it's like, there is something that just like having a big, having a, the big, the big device can sometimes just be really nice and is very useful. And it isn't even necessarily, cause it's not necessarily like a, you know, an iPhone you know, like 14 pro max versus an iPhone 14 pro. Like it doesn't necessarily do that much more than one or the other like functionally they're essentially the same but there's something nice about having that big screen and that's the part that i think i'm like settling into my like of it of the ultra is that i just like this size of screen 
Um, and it's, you know, essentially as, as big as could physically like work well on my wrist, I think. And so I don't think expect like Apple necessarily would make a bigger watch that I would like more, but this seems to hit right at to that, that limit. But because it's at that limit, it's just perfect in terms of like, it's just nice having a big, the big screen. Like there's just something about big screens that is great. One of the things that I love about the larger iPhone is I can get more on the display. That's something that I've always valued. There's more information on the display, but it feels like that's not really a thing with the Ultra. Just everything's bigger. Like I don't ever use display zoom, right? Like I would turn that off immediately. I'll always change it to the minimum that I can. On my Mac, I knock it down one. I have I have dynamic type on the bottom setting on on my iPhone. Like I just like loads of information on a screen. And that's one of the things that I value about a larger screen. But it, from what you're, you're both telling me, I wouldn't really be able to benefit from that very much with the with, the, with watchOS on the Ultra. And it's like an example that I, I ran into when I was hiking with it. It's just like I spent a lot of time with having a map on my watch. And it was one of those things of like I've, I've done a lot of hiking with my like 45 millimeter watch and coming to this it's like having that little bit of extra size made a difference in having it be a bit bigger and like that was a case where you know my app was able to fully take advantage of the space because i just went edge to edge and it fully stretched out and it's like that that having that more information was nice that like rather than seeing like just around myself i could see a bit more area and so like yeah, it's like if software can take advantage of it it definitely is a is a plus and i think in the workouts app you get an extra metric which is nice, I suppose, but maybe not as transformative. But it's like, I think there's an element that, yeah, it's like it's it, the it has not fully manifested itself in terms of taking advantage of um, the bigger size, but the bigger size just intrinsically is nice. And it's like, it makes me look forward to when it does fully take, take advantage of it. The only thing that really makes me want this is that it's a new design because I am so fed up of the way the Apple Watch looks, right? Like, I've just had enough of this very specific design language that hasn't changed like they made them physically larger but they look you know turn the screens off and all of these things look ultimately the same they just have different materials this one is different is different and that is intriguing to me but it's not different in the ways that i want it to be still right so like i think that's one of the reasons that i haven't jumped on this it, where, you know, if you would have said to me like maybe a year ago, like, oh, they're going to release an Apple Watch that looks a lot different. Like it has like a flat screen and it has some like different dimensions and stuff. I'd be like, oh, I'm interested in that. But whilst I, I still look at it, and I'm like, that looks nice because it's new. And I think that that is interesting. It's still it's still suffering from some of the things I don't like about the Apple Watch design in general and why I kind of begrudgingly wear one most of the time. It hasn't changed in the ways that I want it to change. And I have things that I think are reasonable and unreasonable. Like unreasonable, I want a round Apple Watch, and but I just don't think I'm going to get that. And I think as we're recording this, I think tomorrow Google have their event and they're expecting to announce their watch, which is going to be round. And I'm like really intrigued to see how good or bad the software support is for a round smartwatch again like now we'll see but like you know things like flat sides and that kind of stuff is, is something that i think would be interesting flat screen is interesting enough but then they made the crown massive so i don't know i don't know but you guys don't have to sell me on it 
but this isn't what this segment's all about, like about selling me on the Apple Watch. <laughs> well, that's not what y- you think it was about. Yeah, so but I know that, that I, have a, I have a selection of people in my life that are trying to get me to buy this watch. I'm not really sure why, but it seems like a coordinated effort. Like, for example, our friend Matt Alexander is also keeps sending me messages telling me, you're going to buy one of these. He just keeps sending me pictures and telling me I'm going to buy one. So I, I don't know why. Let's talk about the action button. Because I actually think this is something that would probably annoy me because I don't, because it's, you know, I keep hearing people say like they can I can I accidentally set it off. And I know, Dave, that you've had some issues with it. How, how are you feeling now about the action button? I, I think I still feel a bit frustrated by it. I, I think, I think at, for a long time, I've thought that the Apple Watch could benefit from having a button that in terms of when I'm designing software, when I'm like I built all kinds of different watch apps. I think, you know, sometimes you run into a situation where it's like, it would be nice to be able to have the user do something, but have them not have to, you know, tap something on the screen. So both in context where like the water lock feature is enabled, or even just in general, like there is something where it's nice to be able to use the app without looking at the screen. And so you need a button for that. But I sort of see what they were, Apple was going with, with where you can assign, the user can control what the button does rather than software controlling what the button does. But I think that choice now leads to a situation where it isn't actually as useful as it would have been if it was just a extra input to watchOS. Because what happens now is, so as a user, you can, def- you know, you choose what do you want it to do, and it, you know, I think the default actions seem to be things like opening the workouts app, or starting a workout of a particular type, or turning on and off the flashlight, um, or those types of things, which I sort of get, but it's it's like opening the workouts app. Well, I can just tap on a complication to do that. Like I don't. It seems a bit strange that the this giant button, you know. Th- on the side of the watch that is this very prominent capability and, you know, is, is this very singular thing and I'm only going to use it as a launcher, like feels a little, I feel, feels a bit like a, a, a bit, bit empty in terms of like, it's not a, this, this big thing that it could be. Um, and so, but what it, what it means though, is it's like as a developer or inside of an app, you know, the action that you can, that it takes when you push it is slightly undefined and varies depending on how you've configured it and whether you've pressed it before or, you know, it creates this weird set of kind of ambiguity about what's going to happen when you push that button, which I don't really like. And I feel like would have been better served for it to just be an input in in apps that, you know, if you're in the workouts app and you hit it, it does something specific. Like it either is starting a workout or if a workout is running, it, I think usually it typically it, it drops a marker. See, this is the wild part of this to me. It sometimes does one thing and then sometimes does another thing. And I find that to be a very peculiar way of making that button work. Yeah, it, it just feels weird to me. And it, I, I don't... And I don't know if this is one of these things where like in watchOS 10, I guess it'll be different. Like they'll change the way that the action button works, but it's like in its current form, I think it's at best a a launcher um, and and at worst something that can cause confusion or like in my case, it kind of caused a lot of frustration because it did something that I, while I configured it to do a certain thing, I didn't think that it would do that thing in a different context. And so it ended up meaning that, you know, it, 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 in my case, it ended a workout prematurely, which was just really frustrating to me, uh, which is like, I told it to do that. It was totally like the way I had configured it to do it, but it seems strange that it's because it's 
sort of at, at this very high level system that it like overrides everything rather than it being just you know part of the part of the UI and part of the um, you know sort of part part of the actual way that the current running application is is operating and there's just a, this extra input to it. So at least it could be an easy way to launch your custom watch faces that you make. You know. You could do that. Yeah. So then you've got like the nice watch face button. <laughs> it is true. So you could always press that and your nice watch face could open. Steven, have you configured the action button for anything yet? Flashlight, baby. But you're still like flashlighting all the time? All the time. No, not all the time. This is something that like, that I think, what if you accidentally hit it at night and then the light, you know, the watch is all lit up? I guess that's just not a concern for you. I don't know if the action button works in sleep mode or not. I don't. I haven't tried that. I guess I could put it in sleep mode and see. Uh, but I've been sleep tracking with the Series 7 because I find this Ultra to be a little big to sleep in. Uh, so you are still... And that may change too with time. Day watch, night watch. That is like a consistent in your life right now. All right. I'm telling it that I'm going to sleep. Good night, Steven. Sleep tight. Don't let the bug bugs, bed bugs, bed, <laughs> bed bugs bite. There you go. We got it. Yeah. It, it says press and hold crown to unlock. So you have to unlock it before you do it which is probably good do you have any automations tied to sleep mode because like you may have just ruined every one of your devices you know like they're all just gone wild no it just it sets my lock screen and home screen basically to black with a couple of widgets that i want and then puts my watch in sleep mode but i use this app i don't know if y'all have heard of this app it's called sleep plus plus some guy makes it uh that's what i use for my sleep tracking it's a french app i think it's a french app Blues, blues. Sleep, blues, blues. One, one last question for me, underscore. Uh, in, in looking mm-hmm. at the, the, the watch line now, in some ways it's more unified than ever. The Series 3 is gone, finally. You have the SE2, the 8, and now the Ultra. But the Ultra does have a lot of these features, like the action button, that aren't present on the other watches. If you could pick... Uh, one feature from the Ultra and sort of wave your wand and make it appear on maybe the, the SE3 and the Series 9 this time next year, what would you want those kind of mainline watches to pick up from this new high-end one? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a, that's a tricky question because a lot of what makes the Ultra good are things... It's like, it's like I love like the the durability of the Ultra, which in terms of like as far as I can tell, it's indestructible, um, and that is lovely and would be lovely for that to come down to the other watches. Like I actually just you know it's like the number of you know because people sometimes break the other watches, um, I've heard, um, and so I don't. That's fake news. Fake news. Yeah, I mean, especially not bike riding, but. So that's like that's a feature that I would love all the watches to gain. That like this screen, I mean, it was just wild. I was watching some like you know the classic thing where like the YouTubers try and break things videos. Just and usually I find them a little bit frustrating, but I was really curious to see where the Ultra would go, and it was just like this watch is indestructible as far as I can tell. Like in normal use, it's going to be amazing, and so that would be great if that went to other watches. Um, I think certainly, obviously, increasing battery life would be a good thing for them. I think the siren is actually kind of one of those features that I feel like we're going to get the like dear Tim videos in a year or two of situations where the sirens actually really, you know, like save people's lives and help them be um, found in a way that is super cool. And is I think the siren app might exist on the other watches, but the speakers aren't quite as loud. Um, so that's a feature that I think would be nice to come down there. I think, I think the action button in its current form doesn't, it's like, I think it would be nice if it came to the other watches 
And then that was part of a broader rethinking in watchOS 10, that it's this new kind of, it's integrating more directly into the OS in a way that I feel like makes more sense. And if it does, then I think that would be really cool as a thing that elevates kind of what's possible or what is capable, watchOS 10 is capable of if it took the action button there. But I, mean, I think otherwise, um, it's, it's like in its current, it's in this current mode, it's like, I don't love it enough for it to be something that I would sort of really care to make sure it's like pushed out to the, 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 the rest of the line. But if it becomes an essential part of using watchOS, then absolutely, that'd be amazing. And, you know, sooner rather than later, because it seems like watches sometimes linger out much longer than we would like them to. There is no siren on the other watches. I took a quick look that sirens only on okay. the fancy watch because regular watch users don't get lost. I think out of all the features, the siren is what I would like to see. And honestly, like that should be on the phone too. Like, Apple's push into personal safety, both in hardware and software, is really, it's really encouraging. I mean, it's sad that we we need those sorts of things in some instances, but I would like to see the siren be basically anywhere they could put it. Um, just like the car crash detection, right? That showed up everywhere. And again, something hopefully you never need, but if you need it, you want it there. And for me, the siren falls in the same list. Yeah, and it feels like an easy add to the iPhone because if you you just in the same you know if you long press on the side button and volume up where it brings up the like you know SOS call and the it does the like Touch ID lock and all those kind of things like having a button there that you push and it makes a lot makes your phone make a lot of noise like seems like a perfect fit. It is good that we have these safety features, but it is a little dystopian too. I feel like like the technology company. Is there to save your life? Like, it's just weird. It's like a weird feeling to it, too. I'm, look, if I ever need them, I'll be happy I have them. But there is this kind of a, a strange feeling to it, too, I think. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's, it's always hard to market and have a feature that you are, you like, your users actively don't want to use, but are glad that it's there. Like, I really hope that I never have to, like, you know, make an SOS satellite call or have to activate my siren because i'm hurt or in danger in some way like i really hope i never use those but it's like i certainly appreciate that they're there thank you for joining us today dave uh if people aren't running your uh magnificent widget smith all over the place they should go they should go do that but where else can people find you um i'm on twitter at underscore david smith or david-smith.org that's where i do my writing and apparently now uh doing you know post my videos too Vlogging. He's a vlogger. He's a vlogger. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Well, I think that about does it for this week. Uh, welcome back, Federico. We're done talking about the Ultra. Yeah, thank you. Okay. <laughs> if you want to find links to the stuff we spoke about, head on over to the website, relay.fm slash connected slash 418. While you're there, you can send us an email with feedback or follow-up. Or you can join and get Connected Pro. That's a longer ad-free version of the show each and every week. Uh, this week, we made a bunch of artwork with Dolly, and um, it was an adventure. <laughs> so go go check that out. I think it's fair to say we recreated with Dolly. We did, yes. And actually, you haven't heard it yet because it's at the end of the episode this week. It's all very confusing this week. Timelines don't make sense. Uh, you you can find us all on what's left of Twitter. You can find Federico there as Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. He is the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. You can find Mike online as I-M-Y-K-E, and Mike hosts a bunch of shows uh, here on Relay FM. You can follow me on Twitter as ISMH, and I host Mac Power Users here on the network as well. 
I didn't make our sponsors this week. Squarespace, Capital One, and Sofa. And until next time, guys, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Bye, y'all.